This is just Talk With Sam Podcast, y'all. Just Talk With Sam Podcast. Just put your name on it. If you don't talk about it, be about it. I Right with you on iTunes, Joe. But it's obvious if y'all just listen, we, we never write this out. Hey, what's up, what's up? It's your man Sam, host of Just Talk With Sam Podcast. Just Talk With Sam Podcast. Man, we got a great one for you guys today. Uh, Tanayo Joe Kim, comedian TJ, is calling into the podcast today. I want to chop it up with my man, talk about his new debut special coming out on Amazon Prime. Well, it's out now. Go check it out. The special is called January 3rd. Put in comedian TJ in the search bar. Um, great, great hour special. Um, I'm privileged to have a chat with him and talk with him about the creation of his special, his career thus far, some of his past achievements. So we don't jump into that. But before we jump into that, everything related to Just Talk With Sam podcast can be found at our home at samshownation.com. Yes, samshownation.com is your home for everything related to Just Talk With Sam podcast. It's all right there. And if you're feeling, you know, in the giving mood, especially around holiday time, on the homepage of Current Promotions page, there is a donate button. I will say this. Hitting that donate button has helped us out so much. We've been doing this for 10 years strong, 10 years long. And thanks to people like you who hit that donate button and give whatever makes them feel like a good person, I every single cent went to knocking out server costs and keeping the free funny free. So thank you so much for letting us entertain you. Let us being here for the last decade and it goes to good people like you but speaking of people maybe you one of those people who want a little bank for their buck they want a little you know they they put cash in hand they want to support but you know, they want a little they want to wet their beak a little bit here's what you can do you can always go to samfoundation.com you can hit the store link and by hitting that store link you can get all you just talked with sam swag right there whether that be t-shirts whether that be hats stickers it's all right there it's a great stuck and stuffer for this time of the year um if you're getting ready if you one of them early birds and you thinking that way please go ahead and you can have your favorite person or yourself rock their favorite podcast or just a podcast they like just a po- let's go with that a podcast they like as they you know go through it out their daily life with you know items from the just talking with sam store speaking of the podcast if you like the podcast, you can always go to samfoundation.com. You hit that podcast link, and you can catch up on all of the podcasts right there on the page. 
maybe you can hear it again. Maybe you missed something. Maybe, you know, you want to do a deep dive. You want to go back to the archives, the early days. You can do it right there, but maybe you listen to the podcast a little bit differently. I mean, the Just Talk With Sam podcast are wherever podcasts can be found. <laughs> wink, wink to a couple people out there. But you can find us on Google Play, Spotify, CastBox, Stitcher, TuneIn, uh, The Big Dog, Amazon, and the big daddy of podcasts, and that is Apple Podcasts, formerly iTunes, formerly whatever they want to call themselves today. Wherever podcasts can be found, it's all right there. Just put in Just Talking With Sam. Look at you talking. Just Talking With Sam. You can listen to the podcast right there. And whatever service you hear us on, please subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. It's the best way to spread the word of the podcast. Speaking of spreading the word, I want to spread some good cheer and love and pay some bills. Because we got a few sponsors before we jump into this podcast. And the first sponsor, I have been warning you guys about this, but we get into the nitty gritty. It's the good folks at Omaha Steaks. Yes, Omaha Steaks is letting you know, if you didn't know already, Thanksgiving. You got less than a week for Thanksgiving. And you need to get to samshownation.com so you could jump on the free shipping um, with the purchase of some of the impressive gift packages and feast for your Thanksgiving dinner. Whether that be the ultimate gourmet assortment, whether that be a custom meal that you're making yourself, maybe you want a New York strip burger, maybe you want a traditional turkey dinner, maybe, just maybe, you want to just throw it all out and you want to go a little pescatarian. They got seafood deals. They got everything that you would need for your Thanksgiving dinner. Even, and this is Omaha Steaks, they have vegetarian meals. For my vegans and my vegetarians out there, it's all right there. But if you want to jump on the Sam Show Nation special and get that free shipping, you got to go now. You don't have a lot of time. So please go to samshownation.com. Whatever package you get, free shipping on that. But you got to do it right now. So please go to samshownation.com. And the current promotions link, the Omaha Steaks link. Have a happy Thanksgiving. Get it right. Get some free shipping on your meals. Courtesy of us. Go to samfinish.com. Next sponsor is someone that you should know about. And someone you may be dealing with um, in the weeks to come. And that is the good folks at Target. Target wants you to know that more deals to make memorable moments together. I hope I said that right. And Target is not even waiting. They ain't waiting for Turkey Day. No, 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 no. You can get your Black Friday deals right now. Like now. Like now, now. Go to samshownation.com. You click that Target link and you can get your Black Friday deals now on whether that be electronics, apparel, whether that be headphones, earbuds, uh, whatever your Black Friday favorites are, get on right now. And the cool thing about that, you shop early and avoid the rush because they either have same-day delivery or if you feel them great, you can order, go to samshownation.com. You click the link. You order whatever you got to order. And you can always free drive-up service. You choose your pickup menu. You can go to your friendly neighborhood Target store and pick up your items if they're available. So please, let's jump on it. 
we all know, you know, you don't want to be out there on Black Friday and with, with all these people and the, you know, the pandemic of it all and all this other good stuff. Meanwhile, you go to SamFillNation.com and you can have Black Friday right now. So please, SamFillNation.com, get the target link, get on your Black Friday right now. And lastly, certainly not leastly, Amazon.com. Yes, Amazon.com, your home for everything. Amazon has everything from A to Z. They got Black Friday savings. But I believe my guest would love it. If you went to Amazon.com, be a SanFilNation.com, please hit the banner. And put in Comedian TJ in the search bar. You get a chance to see his debut special January 3rd. It's right there. $3.99 to rent. $9.99 to buy. You can check it out. It's such a good special. We're going to talk about it. But one thing I want to do. I want to play a little clip of this comedy before we jump into this interview. So let's check out my man TJ. Get the special. It's called January 3rd. Go to samshownation.com. Click that Amazon banner. Put in Comedian TJ in the search bar. Thank you later. So right now, we're going to check out some of his comedy. Then right after that, jump to a good interview with my man, Comedian TJ. If you can say his name, I practiced. It's now Joe Kim. Better known as Comedian TJ. See you guys in a few. My parents think I'm a clown with a microphone. That's really what they think this is. My mom hates this, and she reminds me every time she gets a chance. She calls me the other day. She goes... I failed as a mom because you were a comedian. Which is some heavy shit to say to your child. Jesus Christ, lady, I have feelings. <laughs> but now she made it about her and took the responsibility away from me. And I could use that against her whenever I want. <laughs> if someone comes up to me and they go, why do you do comedy? Like, well, because uh, my mother failed. It's <laughs> not my fault. Only I was raised by an incompetent woman who couldn't make a doctor out of me, but here I am talking to strangers on Thursday nights. <laughs> Here's how dramatic she is. She followed that with, if I die, it's because of you. Don't even bother coming to my funeral. <laughs> I was like, well, I hate to break this to you, Mom, but that's not how funerals work. Usually the dead person is not in charge of the guest list. How are you going to stop me from coming to your funeral? I'll do the eulogy if I want to. How are you going to... As a matter of fact, I'll tell jokes at your funeral. How are you going to stop me? People get real sensitive when you talk about mothers because there's this assumption that if you were mom, you're automatically amazing, which is bullshit. It's complete nonsense. Because mothers are people. People can be shitty, therefore mothers can also be shitty. You ever go on social media on Mother's Day just to see the lies that people tell about their moms? Everybody's mom is a fucking superhero on the internet. 
My mother is the greatest human being on the planet. She cleans up all the subway stations by herself. She climbs Mount Everest every year with not one, but two homeless people on her shoulders. She breastfeeds motherless puppies on the weekends. She hangs out with the most unfortunate people, lepers, cancer patients, and Republicans. She is so amazing. Really? Your mom is amazing all the time. She's never done some crazy mom shit. She never got drunk and lost you at the mall. That never happened. When you're five, you gotta explain to some stranger where you live. We don't even know street names yet. I live by the BLV. It's Boulevard, you motherless child. Go home. Find an adult. just saying that all moms are Michael Jordan. Some moms are just Lamar Odom. Sometimes that's all you get. That's how the cookie crumbles. I've been in America for 10 years and uh, race is it's everywhere. You can't get away from it. Doesn't matter who you are. A little while ago somebody vandalized LeBron James' house. The person wrote nigger in front of LeBron's house. I'm assuming that person finished and went back to their minimum wage job at like a Cracker Barrel or something, because let's be honest, that's the work of a poor racist. Rich racists aren't doing shit like that. They got real racist shit to do. Like privatizing prisons. That's the kind of shit they're up to. They're not writing nigger in people's houses. That guy's an intern at best. He does it for the love of the game, baby. Just shows up with no confidence. Hi, I'm here for racism. So, all right, uh, welcome to Boston. <laughs> what are your qualifications? Not much, I just started. Mostly passive aggressive stuff. I get into a lot of Facebook fights. Yeah, all right, well, every journey's gotta start somewhere, so good for you. Uh, who do you hate? You know, the usual, just the blacks. Like, that's it? You haven't even made it to Jews yet? You need to diversify your racism. This is not gonna cut it in the 21st century. We don't have a paid position right now. Why don't you go right nigga on somebody's house? <laughs> and that's what it did for free. <laughs> I was talking to my friend about it and he goes, I feel bad for LeBron, the whole LeBron situation. He said, I feel bad for LeBron. I was like, I don't. Why would I feel, that's LeBron James. That doesn't need my pity. It's King James, he wrote the Bible. <laughs> LeBron James is worth half a billion dollars. That's a lot of money. That's the kind of money where poor people's words shouldn't hurt your feelings anymore. That's immunity money. If you call me a nigga right now, that would hurt my feelings, but that's mostly because I'm still poor. That's the real reason. It has nothing to do with the word. Feelings are for poor people. Did you guys know that? That's all we have. They took everything. We gotta have feelings. Poor people have so many. You ever take the bus? <laughs> 
Monthly bus ride is a therapy session with no therapist and mostly aggression. But then you flip it, you hang out with really rich people, they have no fucking feelings. They're so weird. They have no real human emotions. They don't even laugh like regular people. Here's how really rich people laugh. <laughs> Very amusing. And I'm not saying, by the way, that money is the cure for racism. That's not what I'm saying. All I'm saying is there's a certain amount of money you have that should make you impervious to nonsense. What's the point of being LeBron James if some nameless, faceless motherfucker could ruin my day with a word? Are you kidding me? I'm not doing that. He gave me a quarter of LeBron's money. Not even half, just a quarter of it. I would go to bed every night to a recording of a white person calling me a nigger. I would do that every single night. Sleep like a baby on a pillow made of money. Just wake up well rested. Look at my bank account and laugh to myself. It's all still here. It's a lot of fun when you have an accent because you get to find out who's an idiot when you talk to me. You do. This girl came up to me recently. She goes, you have a bit of an accent. Where are you from? I'm like, I'm from Haiti. I'm Haitian. She goes, oh my God, that is like so cute. I have never been to Africa before. <laughs> Well, that's amazing. Me neither. I've never been to Africa. I've been in my life. Not even close. I was offended for a second. How the hell do you not know that Haiti is in Brooklyn? How is that even a question? I bet everybody knew. You guys have been a lot of fun. Enjoy the rest of your night. Sam? Hey, TJ. How you doing? I'm doing good, man. How are you? Doing awesome. Hey, you call right into the podcast. Want to just jump right into it? Uh, sure. Up to you. Uh, you do it by phone. With yes. All right. Sounds good to me. Try to make it easy for you, man. But I want to thank you so much for calling to the podcast. I want to say this to Neil Joe Kim. Right? Did I get it right? <laughs> yes. Yes. You did. Got to be honest, TJ. Um. I practiced that more than I did the questions that I do that I did for this interview. <laughs> well, I appreciate the, the the devotion and the commitment. A lot of people just uh, the, the reason I go back to this is because you know show business is about ease and access, and I've just watched too many hosts and uh, producers and whoever just butcher my name the way it's supposed to be said so it's like all right tj is cool i just gotta make sure i'm not you know i'm the best tj possible and not be confused for tj miller no i I think there's a strong distinction between you and tj miller um strong very strong i don't know if you noticed (laughs) do you think i don't know we look kind of the same oh okay all right you believe that okay please all right as long as you believe that 
But I'm glad you called into the podcast, man, because I watched the special January 3rd. Um, I watched it last night. It was awesome. But before we jump into any of this, I want this to be the TJ Plug Fest. Please talk about uh, um, your social media, your website, all of this, because people like to listen to the podcast, but like research my guests, too. So please, we do that at the start. Please go ahead. All TJ everything. Oh, beautiful. All right. All TJ everything. First off, you can find me at TJ Stand Up. At TJ Stand Up on Instagram. That's where I'm most active. And uh, I'm on Twitter as well. Also at TJ Stand Up. So you can find me at TJ Stand Up on Instagram and Twitter. And if you want to go to my website and sign up for my mailing list, you can go to www.tanieljoakim.com. That's my website. www.tanieljoakim.com. E L J O A C H I M dot com. So I communicate mainly through Instagram and on my mailing list through my website. So either one of those is good for me. So uh yeah, that's basically all the TJ stuff you can use to stay in touch with me, find out what I'm doing next, uh get to know which projects I'm working on and which older like older stuff I've done that are still up on my website you can check out just to see the the range of my work. So I see the stand up. Hey, I'm glad you brought that up because um I was going through the website today and kind of how I came across you. Um this was a while ago. Um this was I believe like the comedy spit uh Comedy Central Gotham special. They used to have like this like a peek in at the Gotham and I do remember seeing you and then when I saw it um I guess it sparked, you know, doing research for this podcast. I guess I was like, oh, that guy. But I didn't realize how quick that went past. You've been doing comedy for what, eight years now? Eight years now, yeah. Yeah, it's funny how time flies, but even though you've been doing it for eight years, this is your debut special. I loved it. It's very autobiographical. I'm curious, what's the significance of January 3rd? Uh, well... You mean as a special or as the title? Which one do you want to? Both. Well, the let's go with the title. The title is, that's the day of my birth. And that's the day I recorded the special. I recorded it Friday, January 3rd of this year. So 2020. Uh, which feels like 10 years ago, naturally. So yeah. it was the day, the night I turned 31 years old. And it was, uh, there was a little bit of numerology to it that I really enjoyed too, because I turned 31 that night, and that was the third day of the first month of the year. And it was just kind of all very nice to put together. And I thought, you know what? January 3rd is what it is. And there's a bit in the special where I mentioned that I'm actually turning, uh, I'm turning 31 that night. So it was really cool to have that. So the title kind of came very organically. The special itself, man, it's uh who I'm I'm very proud of it because I I did it myself. Cause I, I don't know how you you in show business or not? Are you a comedian? I am not a comedian. I am on the fringe of it. Whatever this is, the podcasting thing, I'm a podcaster, been a podcast for a little over ten years. So I'm okay. aware of you guys. Um, TJ, I don't know if you ever seen this movie. I'll, this is the best way I can describe it when I'm asked this question. You ever seen the movie Highlander? 
You know how they say we're just the watchers? We just watch and don't interfere. We just watch what happens. That's whatever well, I am. Gotcha, gotcha. Amen. We need watching. Uh, I would hope so. You need an audience. Hell yeah. Everybody plays a role. Watchers are very important. Especially for what I do. Comedy, you know, there's no sense in it. If comedy happens without an audience, you're just a sad person just spewing nonsense into the world. So without the audience, it's meaningless. So we fucking love watchers. Sorry. I don't know if I can curse on your podcast. Yes, you can. We actually encourage it. Ah, beautiful. All right. Yeah, we need you. So keep doing what you do. So I appreciate it. Yeah, I was, uh, to get to the, to the answer that you needed for the, the special. The reason it means so much to me is because, uh, you know, eight years in and I, I had that hour and I was proud of it. It felt right. And I wanted to put it on the record. But, you know, the business side of comedy is, is very tricky. Usually what happens is you, you get someone you climb certain ladders, like, oh, you do JFL New Faces, or you do the Tonight Show or Conan a couple times, all of those things that eventually get you to a place where a streaming service or a network might want to buy a special from you. I, I tried to get to all of that. None of it happened, but I still was happy with the hour that I had. So I said, fuck it. I'm going to do it myself. And I basically researched everything, and I, I had a couple of filmmakers in my circle, people that I like, that I've worked on with other projects, and they they were down, and we made the special with a very small budget. Well, not super small, but something that I could afford while keeping good quality. So we did it, and I got some of my friends to invest in it. And we only did one show, which was very risky. And I, I said that in the beginning of the special. And I thought, well, why cut that out? Because that sort of gives a little bit of the history of the special. We only shot one show, which is tough because whatever I mess up in that show, I can't go to a second show and edit that in and replace it. So this is it. This is all you get. And, you know, the jokes that maybe could have hit better in a second show, because I might have been nervous because it was the first taping. I didn't have a chance for any of that. So this is all you get. And I'm happy with how it turned out. We had a crowd of maybe 140 people in a small venue in Brooklyn. And it was a night to remember, and it was such a great way for me to introduce myself to the world of comedy at large. And I'm very happy with the finished product. And I'm glad you said it that way because it is your debut special, but one of the cool things I liked about it, and especially now knowing it was on January, thir- uh, January 3rd of this year, you didn't have a lot of topical stuff because pretty much after your special, the world went straight to hell. But, like, mm-hmm. after, like, as you did it, it, I got a lot of autobiographical stuff, like some of the things like, Share your experience from Haiti to America, growing up religious. Like, it was very, like, um, it was, in a weird way, this special was like shaking hands with people like, hey, this is me for the first time. Yeah. One of yeah. the jokes in your special, though, I, I just, I like asking this question because the answer is always different. You talked about the reception from your parents um, about being a comedian. Right. How's that going right now? <laughs> uh, you know, surprisingly, it, it's still 
very much the same. Uh, it might have been different if, let's say, Netflix gave me $50,000 to make a special, and it's in the media, and it's everywhere. Then it would have been a more concrete thing for my mother to like, be like, oh, okay, he's not uh, going to die in a ditch somewhere. This thing actually has value. Because, you know, a lot of parents like that stamp of approval from the mainstream world, especially immigrant parents, because it tells them, oh, some people think this is actually valuable, as opposed to he thinks this is making him happy. So in that sense, that didn't happen. So uh, she still thinks of me as someone who's doing something she's not happy about. But my, my, the more savvy people in my family, my, my brother, my cousin, people who kind of know a little bit about the world of show business, they really appreciate it. They're 100% on board. But my, my mother doesn't care that much. Now, I mean, you kind of mentioned this in the special that you quit school to do comedy, like a lot of comedians. But mm-hmm. one thing you touched on is like working with troubled youth. Um, and sometimes when you work with troubled youth, because of you know their affiliations or whatever their trouble is, that can affect you more. I'm I'm I hate to beat on this a little bit more, but was your mom cooler with that than it was comedian, or was it just kind of like the same? Uh, she she wasn't cool with that because my mom is a very rigid person. Her plan was because. The, the backstory that's going to make this make more sense is I was a very good student. I'm a, I'm, I would get A's. I was like class valedictorian, that type of thing. So in her mind, life gives her a child that should become a very noble thing, meaning like a, a doctor, something that she can brag to her neighbors and her friends about, something very respectable, those kinds of things. So the moment I did anything else, she wasn't happy. And then the the nail in the coffin was, oh, he's a comedian, which is very useless to her in her world. So it's even worse. So I don't think she even appreciated the fact that I worked with Trouble You. She was fine, but she wasn't as angry about it as me being a comedian, but it wasn't her favorite thing either. Makes sense. But, yeah. like... When you were growing up, well, I guess going to school in Utah, um, you talk about it in past interviews, and I don't want to jump too much in it. It was like you, you know, you took the leap. You dared to get on stage for the first time. When yeah. you did that in Utah, what was it about that comedy bug, so to speak, that made you like, this is it? Uh, well, just for some quick clarity, I, I didn't go on stage in Utah. Like, I made the actual decision while I was in Utah and wrote some material while I was out there because I was living in the outdoors and there was a lot of time to think. I was working in the outdoors. I was a little bit free from the constraints of social media. Like, my mind was very clear. And I'm like, this is what I want to do. And I wrote five minutes of jokes that I practiced a couple times in front of my mirror just using... Uh, a hairbrush as a microphone, that kind of stuff. Oh. And, yeah, yeah, go ahead. What was you going to say? No, I, I, for the clarity. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm listening. Yeah, so I did that in Utah, and then I 
Google did a bunch of research and it turned out the best place to start comedy is New York City because that's where most of it happens. That's where you can get on stage five times a night. That's where you can watch people that are exponentially better than you and they can help you improve and all of that. So I, I wrote all of that down and uh, I drove from Utah to New York with my little five minutes of jokes. And I remember exactly, it was a, uh, I got to New York on a Monday, and on Tuesday, August 14th, 2012, I got on stage for the first time, did my five minutes of jokes, and I got enough chuckles. I didn't kill, I didn't bump. I got chuckled, and I felt comfortable. And I was like, this is it. And then I haven't looked back then. Oh, my God, that's even better than what I, you know, originally thought, because... Well, better or worse, because you went straight into the DPM, making that drive, yeah. going to New York, which, you know, it is very successful. And like you said, you see people who's been there before you, but it also also could be a nightmare because those those same reasons, because when you're going against the best of the best and you're getting up five times a night, you got to do that five times a night. So that drive and determination, oh, my God, I didn't. I just thought it started in Utah and like, oh, I'm getting a little good, and then went to New York. No, I went straight to New York and started. It just seemed like the the better move, which it also meant. It's, I don't know if you've ever lived here. It's a hard, hard city to live in. I talk to comedians about this all the time. Your first year in New York, trying to be a comedian, is easily one of the most challenging years of anybody's life. Man, but what's interesting, I'm glad, well, in a good way, it worked because it toughened you up, but one thing I've noticed um, when I was doing my homework, I tried to do a little bit of research, you always kind of reference um, in past interviews that you're not a comedian yet, you're learning the ways of comedy. Is that still going, or can you pat yourself on the back and say, I am a comedian now, forget what I said earlier, this is what it is. <laughs> you really did some serious research, man. I appreciate this. Sometimes you talk to people and they're just kind of making shit up as they go along. I really appreciate you, bro. This is, this is Thank great. you. <laughs> so it's a, it's not so much that I'm not one. It's more of a, the principle of it being there's no finality to it. You know what I mean? Like, this is okay. a journey as opposed to, oh, I'm, I've arrived. Like, it's a process. Like, you can get, you get better at it every day. It's almost endless. Like, the process of self-improvement, I think, is, is endless. There's no which point where you go, well, I've made it as a comedian. Even Dave Chappelle can sit and go, well, I'm done. I've reached and unlocked all the levels of comedy. I don't need to learn anything else. That's just not what art or any craft is. So it's this idea that, oh, I got to keep doing this and finding new ways and changing new things and finding this skill. Maybe I can work on my voices better this time. Maybe I can improve on my physicality. Maybe I can create these new characters. There's just a lot of avenues for you to keep going. So for me, I see it as I'm trying to be as fluent as possible in this language. Yes, I, I, I'm I proud of how well I speak it for my eight years in it, but God, there's so much more that I can do, and I'm just excited 
to keep going for those in the place. You know, it's funny when you talk about that. Now, if I'm getting too, if I, uh, I did a little research, if it get too creepy, let me know. But, um, what I'm getting at is you talk about finding your voice and how you say you're learning new and exciting ways. But one of the people who inspired you early in your career and probably still now to this day is Gary Shanley, if I'm correct. And if I am correct, Gary Shanling's whole thing was about being yourself. As awkward as you can be, making it relatable, being yourself on stage and sharing that to the crowd. Like I said, if it's getting too creepy, just let me know. Nah, man, it's never creepy. I love when people have information. It's never creepy. It's great. Yeah, I, I love Gary Shanling. I think he was a very innovative uh, creative. He was Awesome. Uh, I don't know if you listen to the Larry Sanders show. Love that show. Love it. Yeah. Hey now. Yeah. Yes. Yes. That show gave birth to like a new genre of comedy show. Just the way he did it. Like the the whole behind the scene of a show. It's a show about a show. And like The Office came from that. Parks and Rex came from that. So many other shows came from it. That, that's how great the guy is. He said, like, a blueprint for a show. And he was so good at exploring himself and his own behavior, the good and the ugly. And that's what it is. You got to be yourself. That's really what I got from Gary. Like, this this awkwardness, this, this deep discomfort that sometimes comes with being human. And if you're on stage or you're creating something and you're not exploring that, then what are you doing, really? Because that's all you have. Like, it's just you. you the subject that you know the most out of anything else. Like, yes, I know other things in the world. I can talk about them. But eventually, there's no one that I can know as well or as much as I can know myself. So that's my favorite subject. I mean, and that's good. But that that's really good, especially now. The way I look at it is, what about stand-up now in your world? And um, Because think about it. You are in Brooklyn, and Brooklyn can be a hostile ground of some of the funniest comedians and some of this, the line. I like to call it the line, the line of this um, PC police. So what about you can make yourself unique in the terms of how you handle it what's so funny or what is perceived not to be so funny because there are a lot of people with a lot of issues in the crowd and um, it's almost like this weird pc police to some degree where they're not enjoying the story or they're not enjoying the comedy they're just looking for buzzwords so you can get you in trouble so how do you police yourself or try to be yourself now with you know, whatever's floating around someone else's head. Yeah, man, it's getting more and more difficult. It's 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 it's, it's kind of fucked, and that's why a guy like me is happy to be doing it at a time where, like, the emperor of our craft—I I like to call him that, Dave Chappelle—is doing it at the level that he's doing it and giving us the courage to talk about whatever we want because he can do it. And he's at a point where he's untouchable. People can't really cancel Dave. Dave is too comfortable where he is. 
He's not hired or employed by any corporation, so he's free to be himself. And that gives the rest of us that courage because, man, I'm telling you, it's, it's, it's a tough time right now to just sort of being trying to explore difficult topics or adult topics on stage because people are so quick to come and come at you and try to take you down and, and, and like put words in your mouth and not let you be transgressive because that's sort of what comedy is. Nobody goes to a comedy club to hear a politician lie to themselves and tell them things that aren't true. People kind of go there to sit and hear things that they may think but wouldn't say out loud because it's not good to say that in polite society. That's why you leave polite society. You come to a comedy club and hear people say these things because we need a place for those things because those things are in our heads. And as long as I can find a way to be funny about it, that's what I'm doing. I mean, let me give you a quick backstory that has to do with the special regarding okay. the pieces you talked about. So the venue where I did the special is this place called Littlefield in Brooklyn. I taped it there, one, because I love it. It's a great venue. But two, in sort of a, <clears throat> and this is kind of petty, but I wanted to do it, in sort of a fuck you to something that happened to me there. Because while I was working out the material for that special, uh, there's a 10-minute chunk towards the end about the Me Too movement. I don't know if you remember that part. I do, actually. Okay. When I was working that out, I did it in that specific venue. And it was a pretty NPR white kind of crowd, the kind of people who get offended by a lot of things. And they didn't take well to it. And the booker from that show, who's seen me several times, who knows me and Trust me, and I've done Michael Jackson stuff, I've done Bill Cosby stuff, I've done everything there, and it's been good. But because this one specifically had to do with the Me Too movement, she banned me from that show after that set where I was working out mm. that material. Yeah. That was my first time getting banned from a show, and it felt shitty. It, it's like, oh, we are in a new territory now where people are trying to take stuff away from you because you're trying to do comedy that they aren't allowing themselves to laugh at. So it felt really bad, and I kind of, I was angry about it. So I said, you know what, fuck it. I'm going to dust my, myself off and get back and do it. So I kept working that, 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 that bit in different places where they would allow me to do it, and it became this really good, 10 to 11 minute chunk that I'm really proud of. And I said, you know what? I'm going to fucking do it in that venue because I don't want to have any fear around that venue because she banned me from that. So I rented out the venue myself and taped that special and put that bit right in there. It's funny how things like that work out because, I mean, like in the trajectory of anywhere else, it makes no sense. Think of it. You did something that was so egregious that you got banned from this place. And so that thing was so bad and so egregious, you got banned. So you kept doing it. You made it longer. You made it, I don't want to say the word better, but you did more to it and you did it in more detail. So well that you're taping an entire special based on that thing that you were banned about. 
That makes no sense anywhere else. That's right. And that's the beauty of what we do. That's why I can tell you, this is like speaking the language, you know, finding better ways to speak that language. That's crazy. But I'm glad you brought up about speaking the language, because one thing I would like to ask, um, I got two more questions. And one of it is this. The special is great. I love the special. And if you go to your website, you get a chance to see a lot of the um, accomplishments so far. But when you talk about stuff like that, are there little impactful moments in your career such as that where it's just like only you know about it? Or do you care to share? If not, I get it. But like little stuff like that. Mm, yeah, I have, I have a lot of those. Let me see which ones are, are worth uh, exploring because there might be interesting stories that your audience may not know about. Let's see. Uh, there's, there's just so many, like the coolest moments in comedy almost happen in, in the back rooms and sometimes off stage just because little things are happening around you and you're just witnessing them. Like, for instance, uh, there's this dude named Big J Okerson. I don't know if you know. Oh, him. I know Big J. Legion of the Skanks. What's up, man? Yeah, I love I love Big J. He's easily one of the funniest people in New York, and I would go to the club all the time, the stand in New York City at the time, and just watch him, just masterfully do crowd work and be a great storyteller and killing every night. And then all of us, like younger comedians, open Michael, would just watch it, watch it, and I'm like, oh, I want to. I want to, you know, learn a little bit about this process, what he's doing, how he's so comfortable, and how he's able to get away with playing certain things for the crowd, and people will just laugh at it, even if it was something that, in theory, said anywhere else, could be mean, but because there's the context of it. That's the thing that's happening now. People are taking comedy out of context. If you remove the context, like if you take everything I said in my special and printed it, in, like, the paper, it would sound kind of crazy. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Right. So people are kind of doing that with comedy. We're like, why would you remove the context? This thing is meant for a specific audience. It's meant to be delivered by my face and my voice and the way I do it and the way I, I can only do it. But let me not get off the point. So I would say Big J do that. And then one night I just went on Facebook and messaged him. And I said, hey, man. I'm a, I'm a younger comedian. I'm a big fan of what you do. Is it okay if one day I come up and chat up with you, just share some wisdom, blah, blah, blah? And he was like, yeah, man, cool. If you ever see me at the club, just come by. And he was so cool about it. So one night I just came in and, and talked to him. And I said, hey, man, how, how are you able to be so patient and do such good crowd work on stage? And he dropped this little jewel on me, and he said, you just got a... a Trust that you are on stage for a reason and you're the funny person. Because if you go to a comedy club, sometimes you'll see, like, the host talk to the audience. And crowd work means when you're talking to the crowd and you're trying to find humor in it without the, your material specifically. Sometimes a lot of it is hacky. It'll be like, hey, where are you from? You're from Connecticut? Oh, what a piece of shit place. That that stuff, because it always gets a laugh, because you just make yeah. fun of one. Big J never did that. He did almost the opposite. Sometimes he'll talk with someone for, like, 
a minute, a minute and a half, which is a long time for a comedian to go without getting a laugh. But he'll do that because he doesn't want to go to the easy place and be happy. He just wants to keep going until he finds something that's worthy of a good laugh. And he told me, yes, you just got to trust that you're the funny person. The other person will give you something to work with. Just keep going until you find something that matches your sense of humor. And that's one of the best things that I've carried with me, just when I'm on stage trying to work out material, trying to get the audience to bring it out of me. And, yeah, that's, that's my little big gist story. And the other thing that's happened also that I'm very proud of, but it's one of those credits that I can never use. One night I got to follow Big J Okerson in New York, and I did not bomb because when you follow the best act in the room, usually it's it's terrible because he's so good, it's almost impossible for anyone to rise or even match that level. Makes sense. Because so it's just like you, they, they so good, they wore them out, and everything you did doesn't match up to whatever they just did. So, yeah, I get that. Exactly. And one night I was booked on the same show as him, and he was supposed to go last as normal because he's the funniest guy on the lineup. But something came up, and he had to leave, so they put him right before me. And I was like, fuck! <laughs> and he crushed. And then I said, oh, man, this is, this is, this is a moment to see if I live or die. Then I went and followed Big J and acknowledged it, acknowledged how hard he killed. And then I went into my stuff. And I did well. And I'm very proud of that. That's awesome. And like I said, I have one more question as I kind of referenced at the start of um, this podcast. I'm kind of like a watcher. But the problem with watchers is if you watch Highlander, sometimes people watch the watchers. So if those watchers, or I guess in this case, listeners, are mm-hmm. thinking about starting stand-up or thinking about, ah, I got a... Um, good five minutes before I get in my car and drive to, I don't know, 3,000 miles in the opposite direction. What advice would you give someone just starting out? Uh, well, right now, I would say don't. This is There's not a lot of comedy going on. You uh, don't start it now. But... If after even I say, don't start it now, you still feel motivated enough to start it now, then go ahead and just know why you are starting it. Start it for the right reason. This is not a get-rich-quick scheme. That's not what it's about. Uh... So if this is what you want, you're trying to look for followers on social media. There's many other things you could do on TikTok or Instagram to get followers. Stand-up comedy is not necessarily one of them. So start it because you have a passion for it, and you have a burning desire to communicate creatively through that art form. There's something about it that's attractive to you, and you feel like you have something to say, and you feel like you're funny, or you want to figure out how to be a good communicator and a funny person. But you got to do it because you care about it more than anything else. That's my advice. You can do it for the wrong reasons because it'll break your heart. It's a heartbreaking business. Well, thanks so much for calling in. Before you get off, I want everyone to check out 
The special is called January 3rd. You can get it on Amazon Prime. That's, um, that's just awesome. Mainly because at this time of year, you're going on Amazon anyway. I mean, it's just, that's just how it works. And, exactly. I mean, lockdowns, whatever. You are. So, it's an hour. It's awesome. But one more time, TJ, if you don't mind, the TJ special, all things where they can find you, where they can do, where social media, this is your moment. Go ahead. All right. Uh, you can find me at TJ Standup on Instagram and Twitter, at TJ Standup, and go ahead and go on Amazon Prime Video, and you can watch my special. Just type in TJ January 3rd. That's my first hour of comedy, and I'm proud of it. So go ahead and check that out. And leave a review if you enjoyed and let your people know, because you got to get the word out and spread it around so that I can break even, because I produce this out of pocket, and I would appreciate it. That Jeff Bezos give me some of that money. And that works. Um, I, I can't stress this enough. Thank you so much for giving me a little bit of your time. If it's cool with you, the trailer... I think you can get the trailer on Amazon for free, if I'm not mistaken. Do you know, mind if I pepper it with that and some old stuff from the website? Just so people get a little taste of your comedy on this podcast. Absolutely, man. Whatever's on the website is available. Just embed it, put it out there. And if you need anything from me, just let me know and I'll send it to you. I appreciate it so much. Thank you so much, TJ, for just giving us a moment of your time. Thanks for being a part of the podcast, man. All right. Thank you for having me, bro. All right. Hey, and don't be a stranger. If you want to come back, you can. Absolutely. I'll be in touch. All right. Thanks, TJ. Talk to you in a few. I have an accent because I'm from a different place. That's how accents work. (laughs) (laughs) It's a lot of fun when you have an accent because you get to find out who's an idiot when you talk to people. (laughs) Dude, this girl came up to me recently. She goes, you have a bit of an accent. Where you from? I was like, I'm from Haiti. I'm Haitian. She goes, oh, my God, that is, like, so cute. I have never been to Africa before. I was like, well, that's amazing, because me neither. I've never been to Africa. Not a day in my life. It's so far away. I was offended for a second. How the hell do you not know that Haiti is in Brooklyn? How is that even a question? I thought everybody knew. English is my third language. I speak Haitian Creole because I'm from Africa. <laughs> I speak French because of a foreign exchange program called uh, slavery. <laughs> Get over yourself. The rest of this show is just slavery jokes. So. <laughs> Yeah, terrible program. I do not recommend it. It's too much to pay for French. It's not worth it. Try Rosetta Stone instead. It's much cheaper and way less traumatizing. I speak English now pretty decently. But uh, I used to struggle when I first got to America. I didn't know the meaning for certain words, so I would make up my own meaning for them. I did. For the longest time, I actually thought the word penalize meant to hit someone with a penis. That's what it sounded like to me. I had no idea. My first week in college, my professor said, if you don't turn in your papers by Monday, you will be penalized. <laughs> and I was like, what the fuck? 
I didn't come to this country to get penalized. It's fucking bullshit. So I turned to the guy next to me. I was like, hey man, have you been penalized before? Because I have some questions. First of all, how, how big is it? How hard does she hit you with it? Is it a gentle tap or a smack across the face? I need to know. Who does the penalizing? Does she have an assistant? Because that seems like an intern's job, you know? You know what? Never mind. Long story short, I dropped out of college. You're not going to penalize me. My proud Haitian man. Been in America for about 11 years. When you live here that long, you learn very subtle things about race. I was talking to a friend of mine recently, a white friend, and this is what he said to me. He goes, uh, hey man, I just moved, by the way, this is my white voice. I don't have another one. It's the exact same. He goes, hey man, I just moved to Brooklyn and I found out that I'm white. And I was like, what the fuck does that mean? What do you think you were before he moved to Brooklyn? And he goes, oh, I always thought I was raceless. I was like, that is the whitest shit you could ever say to me. That is the most Connecticut statement I have ever heard. Of course you feel raceless, man. Of course you do. You're a young white man in America. You got courtside seats to life. A white person in America saying they feel raceless. That's like a lion walking in the jungle going, I feel pretty safe in here. I don't know what these gazelles are afraid of. No one is trying to kill me. Stop having rallies and shit. That's the only thing that I envy that white people have, that raceless thing. You know, where you move through life and your race is not the first thing about you. That's all I want. You can keep everything else. You can keep all the quinoa. You can keep the Winter Olympics. You can keep Mumford and Sons. I don't want any of that shit. I just want racelessness, because that seems nice. I just don't know if it's possible. Not if you're black. Because race is ubiquitous in America. Doesn't matter who you are, that shit will follow you. A while ago, someone vandalized LeBron James' house. The person wrote nigger in front of LeBron's house. And I'm assuming that person finished and went back to their minimum wage job at like a Cracker Bell or something, because... <laughs> let's be honest, that's the work of a poor racist. Rich racists aren't doing shit like that. They got real racist shit to do. <laughs> like privatizing prisons. That's the kind of shit they're up to. They're not writing nigger on people's houses. That guy's an intern at best. He does it for the love of the game, baby. Just shows up with no confidence. Hi, I'm here for racism, please. All right, uh, welcome to Boston. <laughs> What are your qualifications? Not much. I just started. Mostly passive-aggressive stuff. I get into a lot of Facebook fights. All right. Well, every journey's got to start somewhere, so good for you. Uh, who do you hate? You know, the usual, just the blacks. Like, that's it? You haven't even made it to Jews yet? You need to diversify your racism, man. This is not going to cut in the 21st century. We don't have a paid position right now. Why don't you go write nigger on somebody's house? And that's what he did for free. <laughs> I was talking to my friend about it, the whole LeBron thing, and he said, I feel bad for LeBron. And I was like, I don't. 
Why would I feel bad for? It's LeBron James. That's King James. He wrote the Bible. <laughs> he doesn't need my pity. LeBron James is worth $500 million. That's a lot of money. That's the kind of money where poor people's words shouldn't hurt your feelings anymore. That's immunity money. If you call me a nigga right now, that would hurt my feelings. But that's mostly because I'm still poor. That's the real reason. <laughs> that has nothing to do with the word. Feelings are for poor people. Did you guys know that? That's all we have. They took everything. We gotta have feelings. Poor people have so many feelings. You ever take the bus? And see the amount of feelings on that thing? Every bus ride in Brooklyn is the most aggressive therapy session. <laughs> With all clients and zero therapist. Sometimes even the bus driver expresses his feelings. But then if you flip it, you hang out with really rich people, they're so fucking weird. They have no real human emotions. They don't even laugh like regular people. Here's how really rich people laugh. <laughs> Very amusing. And to be clear, I'm not saying money is the antidote to racism. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is if money is worth anything, it should make you impervious to nonsense. What's the point of being LeBron James if some nameless faceless motherfucker could ruin my day with a word. I'm not doing that. Are you kidding me? If you gave me a quarter of LeBron's money, not even half, just a quarter of it, I would go to bed every night to a recording of a white person calling me a nigger. I would do that every night. <laughs> Sleep like a baby. Surround sound so I could hear it really well. On a pillow made of money. I'd wake up well rested. Look at my bank account and laugh to myself. Hmm, 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 hmm. <laughs> it's all still here. There you go. That was some more comedy. Actually, that was a small excerpt from the debut special, January 3rd, by comedian TJ. Please check it out. Go through Amazon Prime. You can watch it. I, I love this special. It was a great special. Um, that hour just flew right past. Um, so. That was an awesome interview. I thank him so much for giving us a little bit of time. Please check him out. All of the social media is all this stuff. I made sure I put it in our social media so you can check out not just the special, him as well, when it's safe to do comedy again. So I want to thank you one more time, TJ, for coming over here and just chopping it up with us. Um, also, I got to talk about my podcast, Brethren. Um, talk about uh, the starters. You know who I'm about to mention. The Active Early Podcast with Bash and Z. Check them out. They're where, you know, you can check them out wherever podcasts can be heard. <clears throat> and um, there from there, check them out. Active Early Podcast with Bash and Z. And um, also check out my guy Mark from My Worst Holiday Podcast. Great podcast about your favorite time or not so favorite time. Storytelling podcast. Like those guys. Um, so please check out my guys. Along with that, everything related to the podcast, uh, this podcast, the Just Talk with Sam podcast, can be found at samshownation.com. Wherever, you know, wherever podcasts can be found, it's all right there for samshownation.com. Everything related to Just Talk with Sam podcast can be 
Just talking with Sam. No GN talking. Just talking with Sam on Facebook, Instagram. Just talking with Sam. You can hit us an email. Just talking with Sam. No GN talking at gmail.com. Or you can talk to me personally on the Twitter machine at SamShow11. I thank you guys so much. I want to thank comedian TJ for stopping by. Check out a special. The debut special is called January 3rd. It's on Amazon Prime right now. Please go ahead and check it out. And as far as us and everything related to Just Talking to Sam podcast, we will see you guys next week. Peace out, y'all.